0: Alrighty, I encourage you to grab a Bible and go to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, don't have a Bible. There's probably a black one uh, underneath the rack there, underneath the seat in front of you. Uh passages also is on our uh, little bulletin. And it will be in the screen here in just a minute. And so, yeah, I just want to ditto a little bit of what Eddie said. Just really excited about uh, this ministry we're launching into in the new year, uh, Grace Marriage. If that cost kind of freaks you out a little bit, uh, you can come talk to us about that. But just remember, all right, remember, that's like four, four date nights, all right, four date nights. And so I don't know about you, it costs between 50 to $70 if you're getting a babysitter, right, to go on a date night. Unless you're going to White Castle's. And if you're taking your spouse to White Castles on a date night, shame on you. Amen? Amen? Take her somewhere nice. And so if you go somewhere like middle of the road, you're still talking 50, 70 bucks. Uh, so we're doing four times. It's a date. It's a date day is what it is. It is well worth the money. And so, but if that kind of wigs you out a little bit, don't don't hesitate to come grab us and we'll have a conversation about it. All right, a couple other things. It's on your seat. All right? Sweet. So. This was on your seat, hopefully. Uh, This kind of gives you uh, what's going on this month and our family as we work through just celebrating Christmas, uh, this great time of the year. So we'll do some Christmas caroling coming up on Wednesday, December 12th, and so if you can sing or not sing, there's a place for you, amen? So uh, come, we'll sing some awesome carols around the neighborhood, and uh, most people love it. We only had a couple people that... Shut their doors in our face. Everybody else loved it. They thought it was awesome. So uh, come. We'll love our neighbors really well by singing, hopefully, halfway good for them. So that'll happen on Wednesday night. Do some hot cocoa. Have some fires out here. Um, yeah, be a great time. Uh, then Children's Choir Cocoa Service is next Sunday, December 9th. This is always a lot of fun. This is when our kids come in, and uh, they're with us on the front half of the service and singing songs with us. Uh, if your kids has been going to Sojourn Kids, they've already been working on the songs in Sojourn uh, Kids Assembly, if your kid just showed up today for the very first Time they're learning these songs and they are welcome to show up next Sunday. If you're if you have a kid that just shows up next Sunday, they are welcome to sing with us. I promise you, they will know the songs. If they don't, they can just sing watermelon. Amen. Right. Watermelon. So that's all they're going to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, be, and we have a little cocoa bar. We kind of take cocoa up to the next level. It's always great. And then we have our Christmas Eve service coming up on uh, the 24th, obviously. And we're doing just one this year. And uh, one of the reasons why we're doing it one is because I think this year we can fit everybody. It'd be a little packed, but that's okay. I want our whole family to be together for one service. Uh, we're going to do it at 4 o'clock. Uh, be a lot of fun. Be good stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I just encourage you, uh, just like we talk about during Easter season, Christmas season is the opportunity for us to invite people that are not churched. Uh, they're hearing about Jesus as they're walking through malls or walking outside malls, whatever they're doing, listening to the radio. It's all over the place, and this is a great opportunity for you to step in. It's kind of like a little softball. Invite people to church. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, working through some passages in Galatians there. And the last one is uh, Leah Cave, and love these little stars that we put up on the building here, and so um, she attends our 9 o'clock service. Obviously, she's the sister of Emily Cave, and so if you know her, uh, tell her thank you. Uh, Her and her sister, as well as a team, kind of put these together and did a really good job, all right? One last thing, and then I'm done. Well, not done, done, but done for this part, right? Uh, This is a little card. We've been working through the book of Galatians and kind of helping us um, meditate and think about certain sections of Galatians. We went through three little passages. And this is our last one, kind of going back to Galatians chapter four as we enter into Christmas season and think about the perfect timing of Jesus uh, coming to Earth here. So uh, yeah, we've got plenty of these in the wel- uh, welcome area if you didn't get one uh, on your seat. So take this home with you, put it in your journal, uh, tape it up on your mirror, laminate it, put it in your shower, wherever. I want you to think, reflect, meditate, Marynate. Uh, in those passages, all right? Okay, awesome. We need some, I need some help here a little bit. I, I say, all right? You go, yeah, all right? Even if you're faking it, yeah, all right? So it uh, kind of helps us with this back and forth type deal that's going on here. Um, yeah, if you got your passage, then stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. Galatians chapter 5. Yeah, we're going to read the uh, first 15 verses here uh, in Galatians 5. So here, the word of the Lord. For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens a whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the gospel, this cross, has been abolished. I wish those who were disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of intense. And all the guys cringed a little bit. Verse 13, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed. By one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks, Lord, uh, for this. Uh, yeah, this time of year that carries uh, both. Like it's not either or, but carries both a, a, a joy and a sense of wonder, and at the same time, it can be a very sad and difficult season for a lot of us in this room. Christmas time has a way of reminding us of what we don't have, of loss, of pain. And if that's the case for us this morning, God, I just pray that uh, we would be reminded that both of those, joy, wonder, sadness, and loss, are welcomed in your presence, God. And we can bring ourselves before you with honesty of where we're at, even emotionally, God. So, Lord, help us today as we work through another passage of Scripture God, speak to us. May your spirit help us to know how we're to live in response to what we hear today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, so if you're just joining us, we've been working through the book of Galatians, and we're kind of coming uh, to the end here. And I think there, um, there's, a, um, there's kind of like two errors that all of us are are prone to kind of drift into uh, as Christians and these these two errors I think he addresses in the whole book of Galatians, but specifically here in chapter five, I think he's addressing these two errors. so the two errors that we have a tendency to kind of um, drift into as a Christian is first of all this one uh, that that we have a tendency to kind of um, look at this gospel, this this what we call this one way love of God that we are that we are in Christ, we're in Christ, we receive Jesus, it's a, it's a grace of God, it's free, I don't work for it, I can't earn it, it's the grace of God that can save us. It's this one-way love. So when we really start to get that, the drift that we can have or this error can be that I need to do something to work for it. Like it's, you know, it's too good to be true that it's that free. Nothing is free, right? That's kind of what we say, nothing's free. There's always like a catch, and so sometimes we can kind of fall in this error that, all right, I hear that, but man, I feel like I've got to work. I've got to do something to sort of earn his love, or at least, at minimal, make myself kind of worthy of this kind of grace. Uh, David Benner, in his little bitty book called Surrender to Love, has this one little statement that I think kind of summarizes what we all have a bench toward. What humanity wants, look at this, is to earn the love we seek. What humanity wants is to earn the love we seek. So this is one error that we have a tendency to drift into. And as we've seen in the book of Galatians, Paul reminds us that is not the gospel. It is that free. It really is. It is that kind of good news. The other error that we have a tendency to kind of drift into that Paul, I I would say, kind of begins to address primarily in this chapter and all the way to the end of this book is this. Is that, wow, wow. So it doesn't matter what I do? You know it doesn't matter how bad I sin? You know that? It's all covered? Like it it my performance means nothing? That I could do whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want? It's that freedom, right? Wow. Man, that's that's a good deal. So I'm going to engage in whatever sinful crazy behavior that I want to get into, and I might even tag on kind of a Christian word and say it's gospel freedom, right? Well, that's another error that we have a way of drifting into, and we've got a large demographic of people that show up to church every single weekend that call themselves Christians, but their lives are not changed whatsoever. They have no affections for Christ, and they have no desire to obey God. And what we see, and we've seen this all throughout Galatians, but we'll see it specifically here, that that's not the gospel either. So we're all prone to this. Like, you, you, no one, like, moves beyond or kind of, we're all prone to these two errors of drifting on one side of kind of earning, getting back to kind of workspace, and then sort of like what we'll see today, we begin to abuse our freedom. We begin to kind of use our freedom as a means to indulge in ourself and indulge in some kind of sinful behavior. And so, hopefully, as we've read um, the reading here, hopefully you felt a shift, right? Hope you kind of felt a sort of a shift of what Paul is doing. So, the first four chapters is kind of like um, the same sermon over and over and over and over, right? Maybe you haven't felt that, but I have felt it. You know what I'm saying? It's been it's been a real challenge because that's what's happened in the first four chapters. He's going after one big idea. You can't earn your salvation, right? Don't be stupid, right? Don't go back to slavery. That's, that's moronic. That's kind of what he's saying, but he's using all kinds of arguments to get there. It's kind of like the, you know, the same song on a record. It's just in repeat, over and over. Well, record's old school, right? Amen. So love that. Or just, you know, on your iPod or whatever, right? It's like, update it. You just fill in the blanks. So that's what he's doing in the first four chapters. But there's a shift in chapter five. And what I think is kind of happening here in these first 15 verses is he is addressing these two errors that we have a tendency to drift into. And also, I think what he begins to do is he begins to kind of show us what like gospel freedom really looks like with street clothes on. Like, what is, when he talks about freedom, what does Paul have in mind? And I think that's what we're going to see here in these first uh, 15 verses. So, that's how we're going to unpack these. 15 verse, we've got two big ideas, I think, come to the top here. The first one is this, don't lose your freedom. That's the first one, we'll look at verses 1 through 12, that's what's there. And then the second one is, don't abuse your freedom, and that's in 13 through 15. Don't lose your freedom, don't abuse your freedom. So look what he says here in verse 1. For freedom, Christ set us free. This is the purpose of God's rescue of your life, to set you free. For freedom... Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. This idea of standing firm is kind of a, a military term that means keeping alert, being strong, resisting attack. And so some of us, when we hear kind of this idea of losing our freedom, we're going, ah, man, I'm not going to lose my freedom. Man, once I get into free living, wow, there's no way I can lose it. Well, here's the reality. All of us, right, all of us, just like I said at the beginning, Are tempted to lose our freedom. If the Galatians church that was planted by the Apostle Paul can easily be persuaded to step back into slavery and try to work our way to God, then so can we. We can lose our freedom. One person describes it like this: We are, you know, we are a people that that are like a, a car that's in like way out of alignment, right? So if you're driving a car that's way out of alignment and you let go of the wheel, what's gonna happen? Well, you might wreck, but if you sort of <laughs> let it go, what's going to happen? You're going to drift where? You're going to drift either to the right or to the left, depending on how bad you're out of alignment. Well, it's the same with all of us in this room. If we do not stand firm, then we will drift back to working our way to be right with God, working our way to make God happy with us. Paul is saying, don't do not Lose your freedom. Stand firm. So how do I stand firm, Paul? How do I do this? Well, I think Paul tells us a couple things here in these verses. The first one is this. I stand firm by reminding myself that my performance counts for nothing. Now, if you're following along, kind of sounds like you contradicted yourself there, Lyle, right? Because you just said... That one of the errors that we can do as a Christian is to abuse our freedom and think we can do whatever we want, however we want, and whatever whenever we want, right? Well, follow me here, because this is kind of what Paul is saying. How we stand firm and not lose our freedom is to remind ourselves often that our performance counts for nothing. So follow what Paul says here. Look at verse 2. Take note. I, Paul, i am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, guess what? Christ will not benefit you. He will not profit you. He will not count for anything for you. Verse 3, again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified, you who are trying to make yourself right with God and get into this right relationship with God, by the law are alienated from Christ and you have fallen from grace. Please hear me. Paul is not saying you can lose your salvation. That's not his point in verse four. He is saying this, is that if you begin to operate on a works-based way, that you think that you can work your way in order to have a right relationship with God, then you never truly understood the gospel of grace. That's what he's saying. Verse five, for we eagerly await through the spirit by faith, the hope of righteousness. How in the world can we eagerly await this hope of righteousness. And hope in the New Testament is not our kind of like wishful thinking mindset. Hope in the New Testament is a certainty. So how do we eagerly await the certainty of this future righteousness that will be mine? Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. Translation for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, my religious performance, or uncircumcision, my non-religious performance. Another way of saying this, for in Christ Jesus, neither my good days spiritually or my worst days spiritually count for nothing. It doesn't accomplish anything. What matters is faith working through love. So how do I not lose my freedom? How do I stand firm in the freedom that Jesus has invited me to live in? I remind myself that my performance, whether good or bad, counts for nothing. As far as God's love and acceptance of me, it never wavers. So hear me, guys. Look, I'm not saying... And nor is Paul saying that God is indifferent to how you live. We're not saying that, you know, you know, you you commit adultery, right? It's not like God going up there going, oh, it's okay, it's okay. All right, you flip someone off in the parking lot, oh, it's okay. Oh, you're still loved. it's okay. He's not indifferent to how you live. Like any healthy parent, right? Emphasize healthy, right? We're all unhealthy at some level, amen? But any healthy parent, when a child does not do what you asked them to do, if you approach that child and never discipline, just go to them, ah, it's okay that you got drunk. Oh, come here, buddy. Let me give you a high five, right? Like, like no person would say that that's loving, right? We say that's unloving. If you're indifferent to how your kids live, it doesn't show that you love them, it shows them that you don't love them. But when your child does something that they shouldn't do, they disobey you, a healthy parent does what? There's discipline. Sometimes there's displeasure, and rightfully so. There's, you know, sometimes there's like a a, a hard word that's needed to be heard, you know, there's, That's part of being a healthy parent. You're not indifferent to how your kid lives. There's there's consequences to actions, and your child needs that. But listen to me, listen to me. If you withhold your love, then that's soul damaging. If you waver your acceptance of your child because of how they blew it, That's soul damaging. They're still your kid. They're still in your family. And I would say that sometimes it's in the midst of your child's greatest failure that they can experience the love of God in a way that they can't through you, right? And how much more our Heavenly Father. So yeah, he's not indifferent to how you live. There may be displeasure when you sin. Probably will be. There may be discipline when we sin. He's not going to be just dismissive about it. But here's what we know. His love for you will not waver. His love for you will not change. His acceptance of you will not go away. He won't have this like situation where I need to give you some more space to where you really feel bad for what you did there. And once you feel bad for what you did there, then I'll come and make you feel my love. no. God's love does not waver in our good days or our bad days. That's what I mean, that your performance doesn't count. So if we're going to stand firm in this freedom and not lose it, then we have to remind ourselves every single day that when I have a good day, and there are times when we have a good day, amen? And that's not prideful. There are times when we go to bed and go, it was all right today, right? I didn't lose my temper. didn't drop any cuss words today, right? I I was patient with my kids. There are times. They may be few, but there are times, right? And what we need to remind ourselves is this. This success that I had today does not increase Christ's love for you. You are fully loved. In the same way, when you have a bad day, some of you had a bad morning. Amen. And nobody said amen there. Huh? That's why I, I don't want to be anybody see me as me as the one. It's been a bad day, right? It's like, but here's what we need to remind ourselves: because we are, we're gonna blow it. We're gonna sin. We're gonna do things we know we shouldn't do. We're gonna act in ways. We're gonna look at stuff. We're gonna think about things, guys. Look. But what we need to remind ourselves is this. If I had not failed in this way, that would not have made me any more loved and accepted by God than I am at this moment. So even in your greatest failures, even in the midst of your greatest sin, God's love for you does not waver. And listen to me. I mean, maybe you feel like I'm a broken record, and so be it. I don't give a rip because we do this every week. We come together, we gather as a body, and we rehearse the gospel. Why? Because we're prone to forget. And we're prone to drift back going, it's my performance that makes this happen. It's my performance that keeps God happy with me. And if we're going to stay in the freedom that God has given to us, We've got to beat it in our heads. Your performance does not benefit you any. It's the the work and the performance of Jesus that benefits you. I love how one writer puts this. Through faith in Jesus Christ alone, nothing else. You're accepted. Not on the level of your surrender, Or lack of surrender. Not on the level of your repentance or lack of repentance. Not on the level of your purity or lack of purity. It doesn't count a bit. It doesn't merit a bit. It's a free gift. It comes to you now and you are completely accepted in God's sight through Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you. That is the gospel. And we need to remind ourselves every single day of that reality. If not, we'll lose our freedom. And we'll just kind of drift back. Here we are, working hard for God. And God's going, hey, Christ already worked hard for you. So how do I stand firm? Well, I remember my performance counts for nothing. It's the performance of Christ that counts everything. Secondly, and this is going to be quick because I want to get to the, the love part. That's where we're landing. Uh, but secondly is this. we got to recognize and uh, kind of like even, and I'm not explaining this, so you don't have to do that work on your own, but rid yourselves of the who that's going to lead you back into slavery. All right? Are you following me? You've got to recognize there's always a who. There's always a who. Look what he says here in verses 7 through 12. You were running well. Who, who prevented you from being persuaded guarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven, leaven's a whole lot of of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the gospel has been astonished. I wish those who, here's the who again, are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. Literal translation let themselves castrate themselves, right? That's what Paul is saying. That's crazy intense, and it makes every guy in here cringe. And here's the reality. I said it's some stupid, crazy, goofy stuff, but here's the deal. I can always point to this passage of Scripture and say, man, I'm not as bad as the Bible. Amen? Right? I've never told anybody to castrate themselves. So here's, here's the thing. Just, just real quickly, kind of like a slide note. This is not some kind of revenge fantasy for Paul. He's not like trying to get back at them. No, this is love. This is a righteous anger. This is a love for the body of Christ that these false teachers are coming in and this is a matter of heaven and hell and they're straying this group of people away, that's a righteous anger. This is not some kind of revenge fantasy here. All right, so, side note, back to the main point. There is always a who that is gonna lead you away from the freedom that Christ has set you free to live into. Always a who. And how do I know that? Because Satan and all of his hellish crew hates for you to live in freedom. Hates it. And so he will send someone in your life that will look the part. Will say things that seem really right. Will seem really spiritual. And their purpose is to lead you out and put a yoke of slavery on you again so you'd be burdened down. Look guys, here's the difficulty. It's not like, um, you know, it's not like this... This, this individual is so uh, easily understandable or seen. You know, we have these, these characters of what a heretic's going to look like. It's like, oh, this is what they look like. And we see them, oh, heretic. Not listen to that crazy man. Not listen to that crazy woman. Well, here's the reality. It's not like that. That's too easy, right? Satan comes as an angel of light. It's very subtle. I mean, these guys are not idiots that are in the Galatians church here. These false teacher teachers came in, and they were really persuasive somehow they had to be really persuasive to convince these people like hey sacrificing lamb sounds like a great idea let's go for it right I mean they came in with the arsenal and they convinced this whole body listen to me there's always a who and the easy accessibility of information in the internet world makes us even more susceptible we as a body must be wise on who are we are listening to? Because Satan can use that in order to bring you back to slavery and not allow you to live into your freedom. There's always people with great persuasion, passion, and argumentation make issues that they care about, but they are not essential to the Christian faith in life and make them ultimate. So it sounds like this. Real Christians don't date, they court. You ever heard that? Real Christians don't shop at Walmart. They shop at whatever farm-to-table market that's a whole lot better, right? I don't know, just throw, throw something in there. Real Christians dress... Fill in the blank. Real Christian parents parent God's way. Real Christians discipline in this way. Real Christians do this for the schooling of their kids. Real Christians don't drink. Real Christians don't smoke. Real Christians, I mean, just throw out all kinds of things. Real Christians don't carry guns. Like, maybe you guys think I'm crazy. Like, that's, like, like, that's, teaching that's out there. And we as a body need to be wise. We need to be discerning. We need to be careful. Because Satan hates your freedom. And he's not going to bring some crazy guy or crazy woman, crazy hair out there, that's not going to be it, right? That was kind of really weird, wasn't it? Um, it's going to be someone you're going. Wow, that kind of makes sense. Wow, that looks the part. Yeah. Be careful. So how are we going to stand firm and how are we are not going to lose our freedom? We're going to remember our performance counts for nothing. It's the performance of Christ that counts for everything. We're going to recognize that there's always a who. Always a who. So look, this morning, if you come here and you find yourself um, with your head down and your shoulders kind of shrunk in, sometimes, sometimes your body can be an indicator of what's going on in your soul. And so maybe, maybe, without you even knowing it, you're submitting yourself to a yoke of slavery. And it's heavy. And it's burdensome. And it's weighing you down. And I want to invite you to take that yoke off and submit yourself to the yoke of Jesus. Because the yoke of Jesus is light. It's easy. It's not a burden. I love what Matthew says in chapter 11. We're going to be looking at this book starting next year. Really excited about that. But these are two of some of my favorite verses in in that book. He says this in verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Why? For I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Why will I find rest for my souls? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light stand firm don't lose your freedom second one don't abuse your freedom so if there's um if there's one concern that i have for us as a whole body one concern i may have for my own my own life is not not and we're all it's always at play but my concern would be more that we would abuse freedom and not necessarily lose it. And this is the reason why I say that is because I think, um, you know, I've been here for eight years and know a lot of your all stories, um, and a lot of us, including me, come out of kind of a, a lane of Christianity that's all about what you not, should not be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like every single Sunday you heard it, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, stop that, that's wicked, that's evil, you're going to hell, blah, 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 like this constant pounding that you should not do and be doing these things. That's kind of a lane of Christianity that a lot of us are coming out of. And in that kind of Christianity, there's a little emphasis on enjoyment, <laughs> right? That's, that's so crazy, isn't it? You know, the angels come and announce of the shepherds, joy to the world. Joy to the world, right? And in that lane of Christianity, it's like there's no emphasis on enjoyment. There's no emphasis on the gifts that God has given us for just our enjoyment, for no other reason, Right? We would feel like, you know, depending on where you kind of grew up, but you'd feel guilty even if you went to another restaurant other than McDonald's, right? It's like, that's wasting too much money. It's like, I need to go eat crappy burgers if I'm going to really love Jesus. I'm just like, that's insane. I mean, just put that in, or whatever. I mean, God has given us a ton of gifts, and the reason why he's given us these things is for our enjoyment. And God takes great pleasure when his children, young women, young Old man, whatever, and his children, just filling the gap of who I'm talking about, enjoys his gifts, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And so a lot of us came from a lane of Christianity where that was never talked about. And now we're a church that wants to talk about that, and we do talk about that a lot. But the danger, right, we've kind of recognized that we're not all put together. We're, we're still in process. We're not fully righteous yet, but someday we will be. The danger is always at play that we can abuse our freedom. To indulge in some kind of sinful behavior and justify it by calling it gospel freedom. Like I've sat down with people and confronted their sin, obvious sin, and that's their pushback on me. And so, look, Paul Paul addresses this. Like he realizes, hey, this is always at play. We can abuse it. Not only can we lose it, but we can also abuse it. Look what he says here in verse 13. For you were called to be free, right, kind of going back to verse 1 again, kind of connecting these two things. For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Don't use this freedom as what? As an opportunity for the flesh. And so whenever Paul's talking about flesh, you've got to understand it within context. But normally when he's talking about flesh, he's not talking about, you know, your skin here, right, the, the, the stuff that covers up our skeleton, right? He's not talking about that. He's talking about this kind of twisted uh, part of us that we inherited from Adam and Eve where we're prone to sin doesn't mean we sin in its fullest doesn't mean we're the most evil that we can possibly be that's not what it means but there's a bent in all of us that we've inherited from Adam and Eve toward sin we don't want to do what God wants and so like I've said this a million times like no one you know has to sit down with their kid and teach them how to lie you don't it just it it just comes natural why? Why does it come natural? Well, we inherit, inherited a sinful nature, this bent, this flesh. No one has to sit down with a kid and say, I'm going to teach you how to cheat. Like, you need to learn this, right? It's going to be good for you with tax season. You teach how to cheat, buddy, right? <laughs> That's not, and look, it's not just in kids, it's in us. You know what I'm saying? If we just spent a season of reflection and honesty, we'd see it in our own lives. So it's this part of us, right, that is prone to sin so look what Paul says. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, or some translations say one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. So look, guys, look. Paul has just then defined for us what freedom is. Paul has just put freedom in street clothes, so to speak. Don't use your freedom, don't abuse your freedom as a a means to indulge in your sinful behaviors. No, freedom is for this. Freedom is serving one another in love. Now, if you remember from the week one, way back in August, right, I said this, freedom is not what you think. You remember that? Okay, Four people, so that's great. I'm doing a good job. All right, so freedom is not what you think. And then I brought up, you know, the Let It Go song from Frozen, and we kind of looked at the second verse there. Let it go. And here's the second verse where it says, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I am free. And that's the epitome of what freedom is in our culture. It is. This is, this is what you're being formed with. This is what's, the culture's discipling you, that freedom is to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And here's the reality. It's not just culture. It affirms what's going on inside of you. It feels most natural, right? So when you hear, do whatever I want, whatever I want, however I want, no right, no wrong, I am free, there's nothing inside of you that's objecting to that. What's inside of you going, huh, ah, that sounds awesome. Yes, that's what freedom is. And Paul comes here and says, no, it's not. It's a lie. It's slavery. Because real freedom is serving one another through love. Well, Paul, why would you say love? Well, because you can serve in order to serve yourself. You follow me? You can serve in order to be self-serving. Because you're trying to use someone else to fill up some kind of void and emptiness in your life. And so then, therefore, you're serving them. And so when you serve in order to be self-serving, then what are you doing? You're going back into slavery. Because you've just put yourself under this kind of yoke of them, right? So depending on how they respond back to you will determine how your life goes or how your day goes. And so if they recognize how well you serve them, and they send you a note... They express their appreciation. They do a hug, high five, whatever you need there. Then you're going to have a great day. Oh, man, I'm just, this is wonderful, awesome, super. But if they ignore your serving, what happens? Your world is rocked. And now you're in slavery. But when you serve one another through love, this is what happens. Love is motivated by the joy of sharing our fullness. The works of the flesh are motivated by the desire to fill our emptiness. So why serve one another through love? Because love is motivated by the joy of sharing our fullness, but the works of the flesh are motivated by the desire to fill our emptiness. Look, guys, when you come to faith in Christ, when you receive this one-way love, when you receive the gospel of grace that is given to us through the work of Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, when you become a child of God, God frees you. He frees you from sin. He frees you from shame. He frees you from guilt. He frees you from fear. All of that, freed from. And he also, look, fills you. He fills you with love. He fills you with acceptance. He fills you with joy. He fills you with belonging. And this feeling frees us from bondage of manipulating others to fill our emptiness. Because God is now your portion and your full. And freedom is serving one another in love to where I'm sharing my fullness with other people because I'm filled up with God and I don't need others to fill my emptiness because God has done that through the work of Jesus Christ. Are you following me? That's what real freedom is. Anything else is slavery. That's why it's not coincidental in verse 15 that it kind of sounds like Paul's talking about wild animals. see that? What did he say? Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. What Paul is describing here is what wild animals do when they're starving, not when they're full. What Paul is describing here is what wild animals do when they're empty, not when they're content. When we're not filled with God, It is sweet to eat our enemy. love what one commentator says about this. This, and I'm defining what this means, kind of keeping the whole context of what he's saying on this piece of paper here. This, true freedom that manifests itself as serving one another through love or serving one another in love, formulation comes as a shocking paradox, doesn't it? Freedom suggests to human beings an open door to fulfill natural desires, but subjection to such desires is not freedom but slavery. True freedom liberates all who are in Christ from their selfish will so that they will find joy in serving others. Freedom manifests or shows itself as love, as a desire to fulfill the needs of others, to rescue Christians in joy, liberates them to pursue goodness so that they serve others with gladness. So freedom asks, how can I serve? Freedom asks, how can I rejoice in what God is doing in you, even if God's not doing the same thing in your life? Freedom asks, how can I love you more fully? Freedom asks, how can I give? How can I encourage? Freedom asks, how can I limit my freedom? There's a novel idea. How can I limit my freedom to better serve and love you? Freedom is not what you think. Freedom is serving one another. In love. Don't lose it. Don't abuse it. Now, Some of you, when you, when you hear this, um, you may say, like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> right? That doesn't sound like slavery. I think I like the Frozen song better. Amen, right? And if, if that's you, like, I'm not trying to, I don't know, Bring any condemnation toward you, there's space and a place for you here, I think my encouragement for you is to um, to kind of be curious, like why does that sound strange? And why does self-indulgence, doing whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, seem natural and seem like, hey, that sounds great? Why is that? Why does it sound strange to say that freedom is serving one another And love. I'm just asking you to kind of challenge your own assumptions and be curious that possibly your instinctive response could be off. That actually you are created and the place that you find most freedom is not when you just indulge in you, but then you use your freedom to serve one another in and through love. If this sounds a lot like slavery, then you don't know what true freedom is. You're still enslaved to your selfish desires. And here's what's most troubling. You don't see it. You're blind. You don't see that you're believing and living a lie. You don't see how our culture and our society is forming and discipling you and leading you in a path that doesn't lead to more freedom but actually leads to more slavery. So my encouragement, man, if that's you here today, I'm so glad you're here. My encouragement for you, and this is what I would ask, and what I'll be praying for you, and I'm encouraging you to pray this is that God would help you see. Just throughout this week, say, God, help me see. Help me see my blindness. Help me see maybe there's some things I'm doing that's just leading in slavery. And I think it's freedom. It's actually not freedom. Other, uh, others of us hear this and and Hopefully, Lord willing, you're you're kind of resonating a little bit that, yeah, I want to live into this. I want to love like this. Like I, yes, man, I I have gone down the path of do whatever, whenever, however, and that doesn't lead to anything, right? It just leads to misery. Man, I'm with you, La, I want to live into the freedom that, that Christ has given to us. This freedom of serving one another in love. Man, oh gosh, loving people is so hard, right? Can I get one amen? Right? It is. I mean, love would be great if there's nobody around to love, right? I guess you can, like you're knocking it the park because you're loving your dog or whatever, but even loving a dog can be really difficult at times, uh, especially a cat. But, but you know, but here, here's the deal. Like, I, I think all of us resonate with what I'm trying to say. Like, it is hard. It is difficult. And here's, here's the things we got to kind of, you know, state. Number one, um, I don't have to be perfect in this, you don't like i don 't have to love perfectly because Jesus has loved perfectly for me, so that it gives me space and not like in a, in a you know, self-serving freedom but it gives me space and freedom to fail because i 'm going to there's a whole lot of margin right This is a process that we 're in so i don 't have to feel the pressure to perfectly love in the way that Paul is laying before us because I won't and I can't and I'm going to blow it. Jesus did that perfectly for you so that you can live into this. So my encouragement, if you're having trouble loving, is then to do this. This is my encouragement. By the, by the grace of God, Spirit of God, empower you to meditate on the love that God has for you instead of focusing on the lack of love that's in your heart. Because the more you focus on your lack of love, it just kind of keeps, you know, hammering you down. But what I'm suggesting is, all right, let's meditate, reflect upon the love that God has for you and see if that does not move you forward to love. And what better time of the year to do that kind of meditating than on Christmas? I mean, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you can listen to interviews. Hey, what's Christmas about? Someone, somewhere, somehow will bring love in. They will. Like, it, it just happens. Whether they believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. Someone asks, hey, what do you, what's Christmas? Love is getting somewhere in there at Christmas. You know, we hear it in songs. I'm kind of stuck right now with the, the Christmas waltz, that song, Johnny Swim. They do a great version of it, right? Any Johnny Swim fans in here? Okay, good, got like four. All right, so that's good. Like they got the Christmas waltz and that verse there. It, it's that time of year when the world, what's it do? Thank you, falls in love, right? It's that time of year when the world falls in love. Why? Why does the world fall in love? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Christmas exists only because of love. That's why. That's why it's a time of year when the world not just a handful of people, the world falls in love because Christmas exists only because of love. I love how Sinclair Ferguson states this in his little book called Love Came Down. He says this, Christmas is about love because love came down at Christmas. That's why we have Christmas in the first place. The meaning of Christmas is found in the message of Christmas. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We grow in love, not by focusing on our lack of love, but by gazing our attention on how much we are loved by God. So here's my encouragement. I've got like all eight little references here, all right? You can take a picture of that. You can write them out really quick. Those are eight passages of scripture that focuses on how much God loves you. So if you want to step in and live into the kind of freedom that Paul is describing, then my encouragement for you is to take one of these passages, take a couple of these passages, spend a week or spend the entire month marinating in it. So that your, your love will grow not by focusing on the lack of love that's in your heart, but by focusing and setting your gaze upon how much God loves you. Don't lose it. Don't abuse it. Let's pray together.